0: running boom of the 70s came during simpler pre-internet times. A unique cast of characters riding that wave came of age. You never knew who would show up, and races became household names, attracting capacity fields year in and year out. Co-hosts Ron Galulli, John Gorman, and Grant Whitney, inspired by the first runners' reunion in 2019, speak with some of the characters of the era, share their stories, and where they are today. There's something for everyone in each installment of the Runner's Reunion podcast. Good afternoon. It's the penultimate day of May on a beautiful afternoon here in New England. And we are getting ready for episode 10 of season two of the Runners Reunion podcast. But before we get to an introduction of our guest, John, there's a more a serious and somber moment that uh, we want to convey to our listeners. Please take it away.
1: Yeah, Jerry, it's unfortunate. Um, as runners, we, we meet a lot of people uh, in our travels um, and... It's always great to make friends and uh, learn about people. And one person who, when I was starting my running, come back in 1981, um, this guy was in one of the uh, persons in charge of the Johnson Wells Wales Athletic Club Racing Team. When I joined the team, it was very welcoming and uh, he was a fast runner and did a great job with the organization. Uh, over a week ago, we lost Ray Nelson uh to colon cancer. I was kind of shocked. I was very shocked. Uh Ron Gloody uh, texted me and let me know. And it's one of it was one of those messages that just uh, made my heart drop. Uh because I, I really liked Ray a lot. Uh he he had such a great influence and, uh with running in Rhode Island and all through New England. Uh everybody who's involved in running knows Ray. Uh he you know, he was a calibration guy. He you know, he measured he made measuring courses the, the right thing to do. Uh, you know, someone said that he was, people used to do it with cars, but Ray changed all that with his um his wheel. I guess he made with a wheel that, and he measured it to the uh, inch and he did a fantastic job. And anybody who was a race director in New England knew Ray and he was a great man. And um, we have uh, Jerry Began here who was our guest, who I know knew Ray very well and worked a lot with him and um, with, a, with a close friend and Jerry welcome to our show uh, it's great to have you uh, I was wondering if you had had a few words to say about, about Ray Nelson um, welcome
2: well um, I met uh, Ray in 1976 at the first Ocean State Marathon um, and uh, he was basically uh, a marathon runner. Uh, I uh, knew that he uh, ran the best at uh, 223, but uh, beyond that, he was a mentor and a coach and uh, measured courses uh, at a time when uh, very few courses were uh, standardized. And uh, you didn't know what distance you were really running and uh, he made it his uh, life work to uh, certified courses and he was self-taught he bought a uh, jones counter which is a measuring device and uh, would often do it all by himself uh, and made uh, elaborate maps that In his eulogies on Facebook, uh, people uh, said that they were pieces of art (laughs) and down to uh, the millimeter, just fantastic things. And he helped me a lot on uh, road racing and and the Ocean State Marathon when I became a race director of that, and he'll be sorely missed.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to add... um... You know, condolences to Ray's family. He was the first guy that I knew that did extremely high mileage. He was a mileage nut. I think one week he ran 170 miles. And uh, everybody knows that uh, his certification was um, his pride and joy. And if you knew if you ran one of the courses that were certified by Ray, it, w- it was accurate. Let's just
0: take a moment there, gentlemen. You've heard the voice of our guest, Jerry Began and um, as we move on to that conversation, I want to set the stage ever so briefly. Again, uh, our final episode of the season, uh, episode 10, and Jerry uh, comes to us with quite a pedigree and a resume. Many of you will know him from Frontrunner Magazine, his work with the Frontrunner uh, Athletic Club his coaching expertise. He played a pivotal role in both incarnations of the Ocean State Marathon. And this past summer, he was inducted into the Rhode Island Runners Hall of Fame. This is a man who really doesn't need much of an introduction. Jerry Beacon, thank you for joining us on the Runners Reunion podcast.
2: I'm glad to be here.
0: Jerry, to set the stage for the conversation, if I say... Kenmore Square in Boston, what does that connote for you? What does that, what what does that memory in that place mean to you?
2: Well, it was integral in my introduction to running. Uh, I never ran in high school or college uh, and I was uh, 29 years old in 1975 and uh, patriots day i went to boston new york yankee game at fenway park as some people remember they would start the game at 11 o'clock and uh, they still do but the marathon would start at noontime they've since changed that of course and leaving the ballpark i ventured over to kenmore square because. Uh, the word was out that the marathon was finishing. I got to Kenmore Square just in time to see Bill Rogers with his handmade singlet in his headband leading the field by a, a good margin, a great margin. And he just looked like uh, an ordinary guy to me. And uh, I said, Wow. I wonder if I could do that. And uh I caught the bug and the next year I ran my first marathon at Ocean State.
0: So it was literally year to a year. That's a that's a long way to go from being literally a pedestrian or a spectator to then towing the line yourself. Do you do you remember what you needed to do? in 76 to actually make it to the line? What did you have to do to qualify?
2: Well, um, there was no qualifying time for Ocean State. But um, I uh, started from square one with a pair of basketball sneakers and uh, started running and uh, got an issue of Runner's World and subscribed to Runner's World and followed uh, Joe Henderson's, again, I'm dating myself. Joe Henderson was a uh, commentator and uh, a coach, and I followed his program. And in 18 months, uh, I learned uh, by doing, ran my first uh, Ocean State in 329.
0: Pretty darn impressive. Literally coming out of the blocks, no pun intended. Without a yeah. pedigree, without that background, that's a, that's quite a debut, uh, no question about. So uh, would it be fair to say then, uh, how long did the basketball shoes last before you uh, moved on to some more official and appropriate running talks?
2: Well, I um, was fortunate to uh, know about uh, Bobby Doyle's, uh, Bobby and Jim Doyle's uh, store in Pawtucket. And uh, somebody advised me to go there and get a proper pair of running shoes.
0: Do you remember and what they I were? I did. did. you remember what they were? Uh,
2: I believe they were Nikes. But uh, I, I then developed uh, a fondness for Adidas, and uh-huh. wore Adidas for quite a while uh, during my um, marathoning career.
0: And it give us a sense, so you were you you were saying you were quote unquote pushing thirty at the time um yeah you know so how would you describe if you would the the arc of what you consider your running career, leaving aside the coaching, leaving aside some of these you know these other significant contributions to the sport
2: well um once i uh ran my first ocean state, I was um hooked and um I like to say that uh, I didn't find running, running found me and I gravitated to get, uh, I was like a sponge. I I took from Yankee runner, uh, runner's world, as I said, running times, uh, every morsel of information I could get. And um, I found out that the Boston Marathon qualifying time was three hours for men under 40. So I made that my focus. I was fortunate enough to run 259, the next Ocean State Marathon, and qualified 16 consecutive years after that.
0: 16 in a row, huh? That's That's incredible. Yes.
2: Yeah. Then (laughs) the the arc of my uh, running just exploded and i i was literally hooked i was addicted to running 100 mile weeks uh,
0: oh so heavy duty miles. distance okay so, so you you were up oh, there you were one of those guys okay
2: yeah yeah and they i eventually uh finished 126 marathons hmm. but uh then my undoing as a marathoner came, uh, in uh, 1980 81, I became jaded by the distance and gravitated to ultra marathons and it dulled my uh, marathoning success.
0: Could you elaborate on being jaded by the distance? That's an interesting phrase. What does that mean? Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> I ran my uh p r mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty one at uh montreal okay. uh, two forty four ten and then i uh came back and i wanted to run six minute pace for the marathon so i, I had scoped out uh ocean state and planned to uh, run that time i made two o two for twenty miles and then fell apart, <laughs> and uh, ran almost the exact same time as I ran in Montreal. Mm. So um, I you know, dated probably isn't the right word. Uh, I in 1982 I went to Newton North uh, High School for a 50 mile track. It was the New England Championship. I had success. I ran 7:27 for 50 miles and then uh, i figured yeah this is the direction i want to go in that is something uh, it was it was the wrong move because it dulled my legs
0: ah well i having not run a 50 miler i i can only speak on behalf of legs that have run a 50 mile. <laughs> Seriously, that 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 is something that that is really remarkable. John, you wanted to get in here. So, Jerry, you said you ran over 100 marathons.
2: Yeah, uh, 26. Yeah,
0: so, so when did you?
1: So you, then you got into the ultra marathons. When when did you run most of your marathons? If you got 100, when did you did you run 100? Then start running the longer ultras, or did you run keep running marathons after you did the ultras?
2: No, well, I, I, I basically uh, ran marathons to uh, be in shape for 50 miles.
1: It's like a training but, a training run. <laughs> God yeah, bless I,
0: you, I, that's I, all I, I can
1: say.
2: I enjoyed the marathon. I, I enjoyed the challenge of the marathon. And um, George Gardner, who I might talk about later, Uh, said, what if, what if they put on a marathon and nobody showed up? (laughs) So he would uh, run uh, marathons back to back on the weekends. And he uh, he gravitated to ultra marathons. And we uh, traveled to a few like Warmug in Connecticut. And uh, he was uh, a mentor.
1: There was, there was a group of you, right? That, um, I mean you all kind of weren't like people coming off the street and running fifty miles, uh, but it was a group of you like George George Gardner, uh this guy Jack somebody, I forget his last name, but uh yeah. guys from Connecticut yeah. that from the, the guys with the bananas on their
0: uh shirt.
2: Yeah, Jack Jack Bristol.
0: Jack Bristol.
2: Jack Bristol.
0: Ron, was that a Tom Egan group?
3: Or was Yeah, was you, you were that all, group? yeah, I wanted to mention I, we, our previous guest, Tom Egan, uh, also dabbled quite a bit in the ultras, so he was involved as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Tom was a uh, hard-boiled runner. He, <laughs> he was his, he was
0: his. Well, oh, you you've already he, had two good ones, Jerry. Man, you're you're yeah. you're already at quota. I mean, this is good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he was a he was formidable, formidable, a very very tough uh, runner.
0: You know, I'm struck by the fact you you mentioned that George was a mentor, because I know Ron, you and others really saw Tom the same way. And that's been kind of a consistent theme over our two seasons. There is something about those who came before us and whatever, you know, whether it's chronologically or just based on experience, that seems to be part of that, uh, the running, the broad running experience, which I guess I'm just appreciating more and more the more times we have this kind of conversation
2: well the um the ultra marathoning uh, crew uh is a different animal than marathoners mm-hmm. uh, because it takes uh so much mental uh focus mm-hmm. to go on beyond the marathon uh and force your body to do things that uh the body isn't really <laughs> Are made to do, um, like you have to eat and drink, and uh, you have to uh, apportion your stamina. Mm-hmm. You go v- much slower through the marathon that you would mm-hmm. run a marathon in, right? Because you have to apportion your strength, and uh, because of the mental uh, focus, uh, they're strange ducks. They're strange people, and. I remember one uh, Lake warmer and George uh, was focused so focused on the uh, 100K mm. that when he fell out of contention, he just walked off and got in his car and went home oh, <laughs> because my. he was he was so taught he was so focused mm. that mm. when he knew he wasn't going to succeed, he he quit.
0: I, I'm curious. With all of those very long races, the the 50 milers and and 126 marathons, did you ever race, say, in the American Southwest? And I'm thinking some of those Native Americans that have done all these incredible distances over time. Did would, would was that ever part of the ethos, or was that something that was on, uh, on uh, the visual uh, when you, in that core group of, of of folks, were doing it at the time?
2: Well. Um... No, I I never branched out uh, to uh, trail running or. Okay. Uh, everything that I did was on the roads. Those uh, Indians and, and and the Pablo Virgils of the world uh, were <laughs> otherworldly. The mm-hmm. the they Indians, uh, I think the Tamamura Indians, right, would. Uh, run for days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I never gravitated in that uh, area.
0: Uh, I'm just because that's another interesting because I do recall, Ron, you would know better that Tom ultimately then did move from, say, the roads and he did some of those trail runs too. So I can guess I had never thought of conceptually thinking about there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You can do it around the track. You can do it on the roads. You can do it off-road. But I imagine... Each of them with their own discipline, Jerry. If we can pivot a little bit, if I say, or I should say, I should ask John and Ron this question first. I'm going to ask. So I am. I'm going to ask you guys a question first. If I say, front runner, what does that conjure up for the two
1: of you? Well, uh, that was the first, really first local magazine that you know I subscribed to. It's one of those. It's one of those magazines that because at that point in my life running was it you know i all i wanted to do was run and race and run marathons and know more about the local runners and listen to stories and you know what what road races are are coming up and uh frontrunner had all that and then of course the frontrunner running club that you know a lot of great guys were members of so uh that's what frontrunner meant to me frontrunner magazine meant meant to me back then and there's like it's like who running was, you know, before it went away, you know, people would just devour the magazine. So yeah, run.
3: Yeah. So for me, I started running in high school in 1977 and <clears throat> graduated high school in 78. So I think that's about when the magazine started about that time. In addition to subscribing to Runner's World and Track and Field News, uh, my brother and I used to get Front Runner as well. Uh, for me, it was a great, Magazine because it kept you up to date on the happenings in Rhode Island, but also in Massachusetts. Um, and what we used to use it for is just the road race applications and looking mm-hmm. around. Uh, for example, I ran D.H. Jones ten miler out in Amherst, Mass. in in uh, college. Uh, I had known nothing about that race uh, if it weren't for. Frontrunner runner magazine um, so it enabled us to think beyond the borders of rhode island and compete in other other areas in massachusetts that you would compete against competitors that you weren't familiar with and made additional friendships through the running community but it was very community-based magazine you knew the people that wrote for it that took the pictures yeah it was just great it added fuel to the fire for the running boom so
0: Jerry, that sounds like testimonials from two very satisfied customers. So how how about your spin on what, what got you doing it and how did it how how did that all take shape?
3: Well,
2: um, I graduated uh, from uh, URI with a degree in journalism in
0: 1975.
2: Okay, all and, right. Um, then uh, later in 75, I began uh, with the story, the Ken Morris career story. By 1977, I qualified uh, for Boston and went with uh, my then uh, former wife and daughter to California by van, and I was going to get a job for Runner's World. (laughs) And uh, it was a harebrained uh, notion, but went out there and Got involved in running out there and ran marathons, and there was a magazine called NorCal Review, and uh, I wrote an article for them. And uh, lo and behold, uh, I didn't couldn't get a job, and came back for Boston in 1978. My first Boston was running uh, with the Berkshire Valley Striders. We had a newsletter before I left. One of the members. Uh, who uh, helped me on the newsletter, encouraged me to start a magazine. So in 1979, I published the first uh, front-runner magazine. It lasted into late 1981. Had difficulty uh, obtaining sponsorship, I would get uh, Bill Rogers' running center and other running shops, uh, Larry Olson's. Curiously enough, uh, his uh, store was front runner, mm. and uh, he was of uh, the late Larry Olson. He's no longer with us. I was encouraged by the running community, and uh, subscriptions didn't keep up uh, to pay the bills, and it had to go. But uh, we had a good run, and uh, no pun intended. I, I, I'm, I'm, Oh, yeah, I'm I'm proud uh, that we branched out to Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Vermont. Uh, we covered all the races we could personally, and then uh, when uh, race organizers caught on, they'd send in results, and we had contributors. Nobody made any money. <laughs> But it was uh, a labor of love. Uh, Scott Mason, who you all know, uh, broke his teeth, and uh, as a photographer, he'd never had a camera before. And, How
0: did? Uh, I mean, it, it it takes a lot of uh, uh, the word is either chutzpah or gumption or whatever. Just you know, you come back from that trip and say, like, "Gosh darn it, I'm going to do it." That really is, mm. you know, that's that's leadership. That's entrepreneur. That's entrepreneurialism. You know, it, it, it's 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 all of that. How did the magazine and the the uh, front runner AC fit together? I guess that that's something I'm curious about. Which came first, the chicken or the egg, so to speak? Is it the magazine first, followed by the club, or or was it a little bit of, or simultaneously, or how did how did that come about?
2: Well, the magazine uh, came in 1979, as I said and i started uh working uh doyle's uh the uh, doyle brothers second store in warwick rhode island and and we started fun runs uh, on wednesdays and saturdays to encourage uh, people to come to the store and uh, frontrunner ac was a culmination of Uh, my association with the store, with the fun fun runs, and the people who showed up for the fun runs from uh, various clubs, Johnson & Wales, uh, the Patoxin Valley Striders, Amtral. We gravitated to (laughs) the Wednesday night fun runs, and we would hang out after the Wednesday night uh, fun runs and uh, quaff a few beers, <laughs> and uh, that's how Front Runner AC started and evolved into the Tuesday Night Turtles, which is a whole nother story. But um, we are had, you teasing
0: uh, that out, Jerry? Is that what you're trying to do now? You're trying to, you know, tease out tur- Tuesday Night Turtles.
2: Well, <laughs> the Tuesday Night Turtles. Uh, and integral to uh, the birth of the Runners Union idea, it's just it's like things seem to evolve and uh, take a life of their own. The same people who were involved in Frontrunner Runner AC who became vanguards of the Tuesday Night Turtles because we, the Front runs went out of business with Doyle's store going out of business, but we still gathered after a Tuesday night runs by what we call the bricked wall, the, the wall in the parking lot uh, of what was Doyle's store. And uh, the Tuesday night turtles were every bit as competitive as uh, runner AC with many of the same members
0: so turtle does not conjure up to me speed it conjures <laughs> up persistence and mm-hmm. uh you know a method and so was that over a beer or two? Oh, there's john 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 wants to jump in did i say something wrong john I- well
1: let me just explain something
0: Oh, this is yes. oh, this is a low. This is a regional yes. so, thing. Okay. So, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm totally I'm in sorry, it sorry, now. will agree with me
1: on this. But, <laughs> so I think I think uh, Two Night Turtle is, is kind of like a cover. It's, it's a uh, I don't know. It's it's a trick. So, what? Uh, t, yeah. So Two Night Turtles is actually TNT dynamite. So there's a God. picture of a turtle with okay. a piece of dynamite on its shell. <laughs> It's really speed. Is that something like that, Jerry?
2: Yeah. TNT? um, Yeah. The uh, turtle logo is uh, pretty famous around uh, New England now. Um, Although the turtles have all uh, got a lot of gray hair and a a, a lot of dead dead legs. But... uh, we had a good run, and mm-hmm. there's a new young uh, group who uh, embraced the the idea of uh, turtledom, as we called it, and uh, they're not as uh, uh, strange as we we were, but they take uh, the sport seriously.
1: Help yeah, me. They, were, they were very. I'm sorry. Yeah, so they're very competitive. Uh, back, you know, when they had, you know, Glenn Gilmet, uh, Noam Boothier, uh, a few other guys. I mean, they used to come up to Newburyport Ten Mile race and uh, compete with a lot of other teams in the summer. Very competitive.
2: Well, they uh, Ray Nelson was uh, integral, and he um, published a uh, newsletter which was. A, a spoof uh, on what it meant to be competitive and uh, we we never took the competition that seriously uh, we had uh, Mark Midspin uh, uh, Mark Zartarian uh, Roland David yeah. Yeah. Mark Galloway Mark Galloway yeah we had some uh, hard charging uh, runners
0: mm-hmm. it, Well, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to try to, um, save myself, Jerry, by saying I'm the outside of region guy. So I'm, I'm, that's my disclaimer that I, I had no reason to know this. Um, but, uh, leaving all joking aside, is that, is it around with the AC and with, you know, Tuesday night turtles, is that when the coaching bug kind of took hold of you as well?
2: Yeah. Um, started, uh, with, uh, Mark Skinkle, John and Ron know Mark well. He was uh, very competitive, but was frustrated uh, running races against uh, Bobby Doyle, Roland David, uh, Holly Walton, uh, really fast guys. And he'd come up short. And he came to me and he said, "Uh, what am I doing wrong? because I had a uh, reputation of a marathon guru, I guess. (laughs) But uh, he said, "Uh, what am I doing wrong? And I said, Mark, you're stronger than those guys. You have to resist going out with them. Just lay back a little bit. And uh, he said, I want to Uh, qualify for uh, the Olympic Trials. This was in 1983, 84. And uh, he uh, did everything I asked him to do, was uh, highly coachable, and he he stuck to the program, and he finished second at the Oktoberfest or Boston Fest Marathon. It was a one-year deal, and he finished second to uh, Andy Palmer, the late Andy Palmer, in 217-01. Oh,
0: man. Okay. And
2: and, uh, he uh, went on to compete, Uh, but he never uh, uh, betted that time. But as an outgrowth of that, uh, Ian Hurd, uh, came to me at the Seacock Five Mile uh, later in the year, and said, uh, "I saw what you did with uh, Mark. You think uh, you you could help me with the marathon?" And so I began uh, coaching. And she had uh, a great year in 1984. Uh, she was third woman at Boston with 2:37:12 went on to win grandmas and Toronto marathons. And then I coached Mark Galloway, who was going to be my crowning achievement. He was young and extremely talented, but he had the calling of the ministry. And to this day, he, um, talks about uh, me as his mentor. And uh, so I had uh, quite a bit of success. I, I'm quite proud of uh, those uh, achievements.
0: What, what was it about coaching? Because as a coach, unless, you know, there are a few examples, you, you, you don't get the notoriety that the athlete does by design in some respects. So if you're willing to take a backseat, as many coaches are, for you, what was it? What was it that that motivated you to, after Mark, take up with Ann, and after Ann, you know, take it up with others, and, and then leading to Mark Galloway?
2: With, um, I felt that um, my marginal talent uh, built a success that was motivational. I had to motivate myself to maintain a job, maintain the magazine, maintain my training, and I steeled myself against the uh, distance and uh, pace. And that's what I concentrated on in in, in coaching, is I tried to uh, get across that you had to callous yourself against the distance and and the pace. So uh, I would try to apportion the strength of an athlete over a uh, 12-week period mm-hmm. and give them hard days, easy easy days, and build a a base and then work off the base with speed. Mm -hmm.
0: You just, uh, another marvelous phrase, callous yourself against the distance and the pace. I mean, that's eloquent. That really is a, you know, that's a really, anybody who's run can appreciate the metaphor, um, you know, Mm -hmm. from that perspective. Who would you say, would you point in your own coaching to any particular one mentor or was it this amalgamation of all these sources going back to Joe Henderson and everything else or... Was it a little bit more of um, a menagerie of of, of different sources and experiences?
2: Oh, yeah, I I would take from, as I said earlier, I I was like a sponge. I Mm -hmm. I paid attention and I lived uh, the sport. I I lived uh, an athlete's life, even though I wasn't an athlete early in life. I came to it late. And like uh, it, it became an addiction, and I couldn't get enough of it.
0: How does this all segue or interconnect? Uh, other than you know, we've we've heard about the uh, transformational impact for you personally with Ocean State Marathon. Let's call that Ocean State Marathon One, that first iteration. But but one of your one of your um, I, I guess things that are important accomplishments that are important to you was that uh, that ability or, or or being connected to the race in a leadership role in several iterations and again I'm displaying my ignorance of of how the Ocean State Marathon fit into the local ecosystem over it sounds like at least two or three kind of um, uh, periods. How did that all fit in?
2: Well uh, as I said the um... The first Ocean State uh, Marathon in uh, 1976 was to celebrate the bicentennial. And uh, the group that put it together, uh, the Ocean State Marathon Committee, I was ignorant of what they were about the first year. And the second year, I I got to know people like the late Mary Nelson, Ray Nelson's former wife and ray and and uh, other members of the committee who were all runners put on an event that was unlike boston in that it was run distinctly by a group of runners Ah, uh, uh, okay versus the, the baa is what you're saying exactly exactly and and um all accomplished runners and uh, they put on an event, it caught hold and was the second uh, most important marathon in New England. There weren't that many uh, marathons then and uh, it had an 11-year run, lost sponsorship after the 11 years, but uh, had fabulous times. The competition uh, to unseat Bobby Doyle, who won the marathon a total of nine times, but um, seven times in the heyday. Guys like Tom Grundy and Roland David and Jack Foltz were all winners uh, there, and they were in the vanguard of the running boom. There's never going to be uh, another time like uh, the time that we lived uh, in the late 70s or early 80s. Uh,
0: Now, now are you describing just that first iteration of the Ocean State Marathon? Because I thought I had understood that you were also now involved in the more current, or maybe I'm misremembering.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, Once the uh, Ocean State Marathon in Newport uh, went by the boards, there was an interim of four years, four or five years. Uh, There were... A couple of Rhode Island marathons, but they were never of the caliber of uh, the Ocean State. And in uh, 1993, Mary Nelson, Ray Nelson, and a group of runners, we decided we were going to revive the Ocean State Marathon. And in 1993, there were two marathons in Rhode Island a week apart. It was The Ocean State Marathon on Halloween and the Rhode Island Marathon. The Ocean State Marathon ran from Narragansett to Warwick. And the Rhode Island Marathon ran in uh, circuits in Providence. And uh, both races attracted uh, 500, roughly 500 runners. So we were successful. The Rhode Island Marathon ceased to exist, and then the Ocean State went on for eleven years and was very competitive. We had runners from Kenya, Ethiopia, Russia, Ukraine. We we had a good run.
0: Wow, that's something, John. You you
1: wanted to get in there. Yeah. So uh, I may have mentioned this in previous podcasts, but yeah, I remember 1981 Ocean State Marathon. It was my first official marathon and I ran 237, but came in 42nd place. I mean, it was like, <laughs> Holy cow. you know, what's the guy got to do? I got to move up, you know, in place. But I think the winning time for Newport Marathon, I don't know, was a month ago or two months, was around that time, you know, 237. You just like, I still have the printout of the results and the names in from one, I think I think uh, Jack Fultz won it, but the names in between are just like, you know, who's who of New England and running. And I remember running the course and there was a couple of guys, I don't think they were from Rhode Island, but they were uh, from maybe Massachusetts, Vermont, and I remember them, them chatting and they said, you know what, this is the nicest marathon. You know, you can't beat the scenic view, the mansions. It was just, uh, you know, it was three loops, but boy, you, I like to see the the I like to see the uh, mansions again. I look on the other side of the street and the you know the the ocean Ocean Drive. I mean, Jerry, it was a great great marathon. Uh, and then, like you said, very competitive, and it stayed that way through the years. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and,
2: you know. yeah. It it seemed they they like people were gravitated to the race because it typified what uh, Regular runner wanted to be part of. Uh, Bobby Doyle was so inspirational that he encouraged or, or met all all competition. I remember the Cumberland boys, <laughs> Ratcliffe and Grundy, and and the Ratcliffe brothers, and all uh, looking at uh, Bobby Doyle with a target on his back. And <laughs> they Bobby, just uh, brought that out in people. He was so good at what he did. He, he, and he pointed to uh, Newport every year and took on all comers. And that's why the times were what they were, because the competition was at such a high level. He took on all comers. He was he was extraordinary.
0: Well, that is it, it. It's an interesting story, and John, thank you for putting that into context because we've obviously ridden waves um, where we've had that kind of continuity and such over time. Jerry, as we as we think about winding down the podcast, you have been involved, and and at one point, somebody. Maybe in this group or, or in another source said something about if there was a Rhode Island, Mount Rushmore, that you would be on it. Do you
3: agree with that?
0: Or do you think that's a little bit too much?
2: <laughs> no, that's, that's, no, that's overkill. That's overkill, <laughs> that's, that's okay. Overkill.
3: Hey, uh, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm the one who
0: said it. Oh, it was you, Carmen. Okay, I, I, I I'm, I'm right. I plead ag- ag- agnostic here. But- if you don't
1: want to be on Mount Rushmore,
0: fine. We won't put you on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but,
2: well,
0: but I appreciate
2: you, the thought.
0: Yeah, well, and somehow yeah. you got yourself into the Hall of Fame too, so you know something's going on there, right? So
2: that I, I think that being the first uh, so-called inductee to the to the uh, Rhode Island Runners Hall of Fame is uh, a bit of excess, but. Um, we uh, legitimized the Hall of Fame uh, last year by inducting uh, Bobby and uh, Ann Hurd. So it's a legitimate uh, entity now.
1: So, uh, Grant, before we go, we want to mention the actual run of the union party that Jerry is on, what you said, uh, July 22nd, a Saturday night. The tickets are going to be on sale in the next couple of days?
2: Yes. They'll be on the site. Uh, Scott is working on the logistics and should be available. Uh, it's, it's gonna be held at uh, Patrick's Pub, uh, Smith Street in Providence. And I don't know exactly what the time frame is.
0: Will, Jerry, will alcohol be served? <laughs> uh,
2: uh, abundantly, abundantly, yeah.
1: <laughs> Would would there be a place nearby where I could rest my my weary head after yes. the beers? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll we'll get you a big soft pillow. <laughs>
1: All right. <laughs> I just uh, I think the Galway Pub in Pataki is going to be too far to have another reunion with. Uh, it was last year with Jerry Vegan. I oh, know um, Charlie Charlie Braggy, Paul Hammond, myself closed the place so. Maybe there might be a pub nearby on Smith Street that uh, you know, we could venture out to after hours. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> what a tawdry group we have here. <laughs> well, well, I, I want to, uh, uh, I, I, you know, this is, this is a, a marvelous opportunity to kind of connect and weave in a, a number of names and um, and experiences that we've touched on over the last two years. And Jerry, you've really been a glue factor in in all of this. And for that, we're very much grateful. It has been an absolute pleasure for the three of us, Gorman, Galuli, and Whitney, uh, to spend a a very pleasant uh, afternoon conversation with Jerry Began, who has played such an instrumental role in the the Runners' Reunion, the boom of the 70s into the early 80s, and really a, a variety of moments in that, in that journey and in that incredible generation that really was that first running wave. Jerry, on behalf of the three of us, I want to thank you for joining us on this latest installment of the Runners' Reunion podcast. And I look forward to seeing you, along with uh, Gorman and Galuli uh, on July 22nd, when we're, we're going to gather again in person jerry thanks okay. so
2: much thanks jerry well, thank you thank you
0: <laughs> all right. thanks take jerry see you in july
2: all right take care all right all right pass the word pass the word